Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode 44 of the B-Team podcast. As always, we are your hosts, Eric Busby and Benjamin Williams. Hello, people. Ben, how's your day been, bud? It's been great, man. I got I got chosen in the Masters Lottery. Got me some Wednesday practice round tickets. Never been before. I'm pumped. So, it's a good day so far. Yeah. It'll probably get rained out. My luck. Oh, be positive. Maybe I'll see Tony Fino break his ankle again. Or someone skip it across 16 and make a hole in one. Yeah, that'd be sick too. I'm in. Good to see your dad's favorite, Jack Nicholas. Jack Nicklaus? Yeah, you can <laughs> see him. I'll see if I can get an autograph to Pete from Jack. Can can Jack still write? <laughs> he probably probably not. Barely swing a club. Probably better than I can. Yeah. So, uh, broke 100 this week. No big deal. Let's go. Busby is the new – you're going to be a scratch golfer by the end of this. I don't know. I was going to say year, but that seems a little crazy. Very close to the end. <laughs> yeah. We're definitely over halfway there. All right. Well, in – a great transition tonight. We're talking about the open happened this past weekend. I uh, got a couple NBA and MLB things. And then in the second half of the podcast, football's back. It's back. All right, Ben, let's talk about this past weekend in golf. Cam Smith went off on both Friday and Sunday, I guess. Won his that- first major 150th yeah, open. Yeah, um, yeah. so St. Andrews, uh, was actually no rain, really no wind all week, so it played a little differently. Um, the greens weren't as tricky as they had been in the past, so it was a really entertaining open. Um, your boy Rory was tearing it up the entire week, and um, yeah, Cam Smith just stole it right out from under him. I'm curious as you, as a more casual golf fan of your, before I get into some of the stats on the week, what your thoughts were. Um, I was just hoping for a good tournament and that's what I got. And by Sunday, I was indeed rooting for Rory, like basically the entirety of both golf Twitter the world. and Ireland or Scotland and wherever else they played it. Yeah. In the world, basically. Everybody wanted the golden boy to win. Um, it's kind of crazy. I think it's been eight years since Rory McIlroy has won a major, which just mm-hmm. sounds insane to say out loud. Um, but, yeah, everybody played really well. Um, Saturday he had that, like, signature moment where he holed out um, from the bunker for Eagle on 10. I think that was, like, one of the, the only bunker he hit that day and he holed out for Eagle was – so that's uh, crazy. But he was – him and Victor Hovland battled all day Saturday, ended up tied going into Sunday, and then obviously Sunday. A few things about Cam Smith. On Friday, he shot a 64. I just want you to guess how many feet of putts made he had. So 258. You, yeah, 255 feet of Yeah, putts. I think I saw that stat too. That's the – like unofficial record on PGA tour history of most feet made in a round. 
255 feet. Just a, on Sunday, I forget the exact stat, but it was like somewhat later. It was definitely on the back nine. Rory McIlroy at that point on the day had made like 27 feet of putts. And on that same point that day, on that Sunday, Cam had made 87 feet of putts. So this was a weird one because we've seen Rory McIlroy blow uh, majors, especially with the putter. Um, this one, he hit every green in regulation on Sunday, hit all 18, had 36 putts. So that's two putts a hole. Yeah. Um, went into the round with Lee. He's, I saw this. Far back as they've made record, taken records of rounds, this is the first time the 54-hole leader in a major hit all 18 greens in regulation and lost. So this was – I don't think this was Rory blowing it. I think this was Cam Smith winning it. Um, he went out shot 64 on a Sunday. Shot 64 twice during a major. I mean – you should you deserve to win at that point um he rory it just felt like nothing could drop i mean like on three two three one he almost made it um number nine he lipped out i think i mean everything looked like it was going in it wasn't one of those days where he hit a putt and he instantly came out of it like oh that has no chance um he was burning edges, lipping out, leaving it, you know, a little right or left. But it was tough. And he said that after. And he's like, I don't feel like I necessarily played bad today. I just never made the big shot. Or he never really hit it close, if that makes sense. He was – anytime he had a birdie putt, it was somewhere from 12 to 20 feet. You know, it wasn't ever like he had a four-foot birdie putt or something like that. Yeah, and let's let's be honest about this. Like, he was still in the driver's seat at the turn. And then Cam Smith yeah. just went out and shot a 30 on the back nine. Yeah. Came home in 30 at St. Andrews. That that up and down on 17 was insane. 17, I think he has a two-stroke lead on Roy at that point. Roy's a, a hole behind him. Um, hits his first bad shot of the day. Really comes up short-sided, kind of behind a bunker. His only play, he putted it, which super hard shot. He could have putted that into the bunker easily. Putted it to like 12, 15 feet or something like that, his only play, and then just stepped up and nutted the putt right in the heart. I mean, that was ballsy. And then on 18, he has a two-putt, easy birdie. Um, but, yeah, on the back nine, I mean, it was like Rory was just kind of plodding along. It's like, oh, that should have gone. All, all of a sudden, you're down. And, I mean, Cam Smith's running away with it. And all of a sudden, we're sitting here on 18, and Rory has to make a like, – Eagle. Yeah, he has to hole out from 80 feet or something, like a chip to tie it's like what what just happened so lost in all that is that cam young eagled 18 too yeah yeah and cam young the cam i mean roy didn't even finish second he finished third so um yeah it was just tough i mean we want everybody was rooting for rory not that i like cam smith not that i don't like cam smith or think he didn't deserve it it just felt like the 150th open it's at st andrews rory mcelroy is just that guy to win that one and so i thought i enjoyed it i was bummed on sunday but all in all i think cam smith deserved it and uh now there's rumors he's going to live so we'll see yeah 
Let's also not uh, not forget that Cam Smith almost had his natural Cam Smith meltdown on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, he did. Imagine if that had to happen. He took a baseball bat swing out of the bunker and ended up in a bush and then just a disaster of a hole. I think he shot one over on Saturday. Yep. And so he came in, came in 13 under into the day, 12 under four strokes behind Rory and Hovland. And then again, shot a 64, eight under. Yeah. I mean, Rory shoots two under bogey free round on Sunday. Hits every green regulation and comes in third. I mean, whenever I'm, I'm interested to get your golf perspective here, Ben, because as you said, I'm a novice here. On days where it's not windy and raining, mm-hmm. is St. Andrews that easy to play? Because there were some low scores this past weekend. Yeah, I think it's – one, no, I don't think it's that easy. I think those guys make any course look ridiculously easy um, when the elements aren't out there. But, I mean, these guys were – these – they could drive it up there to 40, 50 yards. Those shots were not easy. I mean, we would – hitting off those tight lies um, – the greens, I mean, just Lynx golf in general, usually don't have a ton of undulation and they don't run super fast because they assume there's going to be wind. And so if you had super fast greens with tons of break, I mean, nobody would ever make a putt. Um, so it definitely played easier this week, but um, those shots they were making were ridiculous. I mean, some of those up and downs, like, and you saw it on Saturday and Sunday. They were putting those hole locations in crazy spots to try to defend the course, um, putting them on knolls, putting them right on ridges and things like that just to, you know, try to keep the scores a little lower. But um, I still think it's a ridiculously hard round of golf. For, the, for like, us, I mean, we would have – we'd still be out there. It is really cool seeing, like, the double hole greens – yeah, you know, throws my head for a loop every time. The yeah, so I mean, it's a bucket list course. I don't. You know, I think they just look make everything look so easy. I mean, I played uh, Sawgrass before, and it just it's so hard. It's such a hard golf course, and they make it look not that hard. So what's next, Ben? This was the last major. Uh, are we just waiting for the FedEx Championship at this point? Yeah. Like what's next up in the world of golf? FedEx Cup and then uh, President's Cup is this fall. So we got that. That'll be um, U.S. versus the world. So Cam Smith will likely be on that as long as he doesn't – we don't really know how Liv's going to impact that. Um, USA usually dominates the President's Cup, but it's still fun to watch. Is it a different format than the Ryder Cup? No. Well, they may change it a little bit, but it's basically the same thing. Um, so how is the how does the U.S. dominate the President's Cup and not dominate the Ryder Cup? Europe has a lot more firepower as far as top-notch golfers than the Wait, world. Is Okay, again. Golf it's everything but Europe Okay, and U.S. You. So it's Thank like Mexico, Canada, Australia, Africa – um the so you'll have like you'll have like abe answer if he can play um south american guys like joaquin neiman and uh, mito Pereira. you'll have cam smith like um all the australian scott. guys adam scott um south african guys louis Oosterhuizen, uh 
Brandon Grace, those kinds of guys, and then the Asian players, so Hideki and those guys. So it's usually just not – they have a few players that are really, really good, but kind of the back end of their roster just usually can't compete with the U.S. roster. Gotcha. Not to say we haven't lost – we have lost before, but we usually just – it's not as close as um, the Ryder Cup. So Thank you for clearing that up. I thought I was going crazy there for a second. It basically gives – because the Ryder Cup's just Europe, it gives the rest of the world a chance to play in something like that. And the U.S. just gets to play in all of it. Woo! <laughs> all right, Ben, transitioning into NBA news. Uh, hasn't really been a whole heck of a lot that's come out here recently. DeAndre Ayton signed a four-year, $133 million deal with the Indiana Pacers. And the Suns immediately said, okay, sounds good. We'll pick that up. You're coming back. So that's going to be is, fun. Is that not – I don't know. I've just, like, seen some of the other contracts, and this may be just me not reading it correctly. Is that not low? It is. Um, the Pacers don't have max cap space, but they're the, really the only team that had the space to sign him and wanted to sign him. Okay. Uh, and in the end of the, at the end of the day, Phoenix doesn't have to give him the max that he wanted, and they get to keep their number one overall pick from a couple years ago. So – it all worked okay. out for them. It's just an awkward reunion, especially since he sort of kind of maybe definitely quit in game seven <laughs> of the Western Conference semifinals. He legitimately quit. I mean, it's well documented that he told Monty Williams, I'm not going back in. So <laughs> it's like, I can't pass myself the ball. So that granted, most of that team quit that game, but True. he was very animated about it. But yeah, I just saw it and I was like, it just seems compared to what else I've seen about these contracts seems a little low, but. Right before we hopped on, uh, the James Harden extension finally happened. The news finally broke on that. He got a two-year, $68.6 million deal, which actually is a pay cut. I'm about to say, that sounds – but, I mean, to be fair, he only plays like half the time, so he's getting paid that much to play half a season. James Harden? Yeah. Didn't he, like, sit out and – uh Brooklyn too or no? Uh there was some stuff about him maybe faking an injury there. Yeah, but... and he got super fat. Yeah, but he still played whenever he was super fat. <laughs> and then all like I don't under James Harden we need to talk to him about his diet techniques. Because he was definitely fat his last couple of days in Houston. But as soon as he gets traded to Brooklyn, he looks like a Greek god again. Yeah, he's got something going on. He has the magic. He can put on and take off like 30 pounds instantly. And then we're still waiting on KD news. I'm on the record now. I don't think he's going to get traded. So we'll see how that goes. We'll see if that ages well or not. I'm also on the record that Donovan Mitchell is going to get traded. I've been saying that for a couple of weeks. We're still waiting on that now too. Uh, word on the street is that they're asking for seven to eight first round picks. Oh my God. God, which I don't know who would be crazy enough to do that. Maybe the Minnesota Timberwolves, but not again. The Jazz just gonna have every first round pick for the next like fifteen years. I mean, they broke the market. If Gobert gets you four, Donovan Mitchell's got to get you at least five or six. KD's gonna get twelve and own a franchise. I was about to say, yeah. You see, you just get like a piece of the franchise when he goes somewhere. Like they would give him stake in FedEx if they if Memphis traded for him. You're now the CEO of FedEx. Congrats. Like, hey, KD, 
how do you feel about being the major stakeholder in Coca-Cola? Welcome to the Atlanta Hawks. <laughs> uh, he could own like Magic Kingdom if he came to the Orlando. If he came to Orlando, I just give him Magic Kingdom. Walt Disney ain't giving that up. He could give him a P. He could give him like Epcot. The uh, the frozen Walt Disney head that's definitely in the vault somewhere. He's just. They ask him about it, and he just sits there and makes an anti-Semitic joke, and then says no. God, it was getting dark really quick. <laughs> um, MLB All Star Game and All Star festivities took place this week, Ben. There's a lot of things that Major League Baseball does wrong. I think the All-Star break is something that they do right. It's actually interesting as opposed to the other major sports. I find the Home Run Derby very fun, although I wish I might – this might be just an old man taking me. I wish they go back to the old format of you got 10 outs. Hit as many home runs as you can in 10 outs rather than the three or four minutes or whatever it is. Timeouts and yeah, and bonus just balls because there's like three balls in the air at once, and my my little pea sized brain can't focus on all that. They you definitely Albert. miss. They definitely miss things. Oh yeah. What were you about to say? Your man Albert. He didn't come in last. Yeah. That's all we were looking for. Freaking Acuna lost to freaking Turdo, Pete Alonso. Two things about that. Whoever, much like Acuna's agent, he needs to fire whoever's throwing him beat. Yeah, yeah, it was bad. Second of all, Pete Alonso treats the home run derby like it's game seven of the World Series. Yeah. And honestly, kind of pisses me off. It's so annoying. He was like deadlifting before he went out there. He's such a chotch, man. (laughs) Just, yeah. He's low-key a very easily dislikable player. Yeah, and he went – didn't he go to Florida? Yeah, he did. Yeah, fuck him. Uh, So, Juan Soto beat Julio Rodriguez in the home run derby final. Ben, do you know who Julio Rodriguez is? No, I know who Juan Soto is, though. Okay, well, that's a step in the right direction. Juan Soto turned down a butt-ton of money. That's true, and he was forced to fly commercial there because of it. Did you see that story? No, that's – I mean, I like that power move by the organization. Apparently, apparently like, the Na- – I don't know how much of this is true, but apparently the Nationals were so pissed they turned down their offer that they made them fly coach into L.A. at, like, 10.30 at night. I love that. Um, so, yeah, this is my way of saying the MLB needs to market at stars better because I guarantee you, like, 80% of the population out there doesn't know who Julio Rodriguez is, and he was – He's been a major prospect for at least a couple of years now, and he's tearing it up for Seattle. When is Seattle going to lose their team, man? I feel like nobody cares about the Mariners. They were a game of, a game out of the postseason last year. See, no idea. Well, that's on you. You can easily just go to ESPN and, and click that button that says standings. Yeah, but that's like a lot of work. <laughs> And then the All-Star game last night, you had uh, Clayton Kershaw start for the National League in L.A. Makes sense, I guess. And then Shane McClanahan. Do you know who Shane McClanahan is? No idea. I didn't figure you did. Started for the American League. He's uh, started for the Rays, probably going to win the uh, AL Cy Why was it year. not uh, Shohei? 
Shohei started, just not a pitcher. Shane McClanahan's been the best pitcher in the American League all year. Shohei's cool, though. Shohei is cool. How do you know McClanahan's not? You just said you don't know who he is. I know, but he can't be as cool as Shohei. That dude throws heat and hits bombs. He's no Gerangelo. Siente, or however you pronounce his last name. I have to figure that one out. Um, but, yeah, anyway, going back to the All-Star game, my boy Paul Goldschmidt hit a two-run bomb in the first, put the National League ahead. Didn't last very long. Um, John Carlos Stanton came back and hit a bomb for the American League. They ended up winning 3-2. We were very, very close to getting the uh, the brand-new rule put in place where if it's tied after nine innings, you go off, you go into a home run derby. Each, oh, team, each team selects three batters, and you get three outs. And whoever has the most at the end of the night wins. Dude, why didn't they tie on purpose? It would have been fun. Dude, that'd be so cool. I should just do that. Uh, yeah, I guess it doesn't really make sense, but yeah, it's called the home run derby. I should do that. Like one of those, one of the innings is just that. <laughs> they do like the that. Ninth in- just the, no, night the ninth before. <laughs> no, like the ninth inning, like your whole roster, like you have to whatever your roster is. You just hit, you get a BP batter out there until somebody freaking, until you get three outs or whatever it is, you go. That'd be fun. I have a, I have a better idea. Okay. Why don't you just do that, but like a day earlier? Stop. I want it to be like, but then it like matters. Stop. You're so mean to me. <laughs> but that's not all the guys that are on the all-star squad. So you want like, you want every single person. Yeah, like the one through nine. No, what they should do is uh, like the pitcher home run derby. Oh, no. okay, yeah, that'd be fun. Okay, too. now I'm in. No, Shohei would just destroy everybody. Shohei wasn't on, wasn't as a pitcher last night, though. Okay. Yeah, I was about to say, you put Shohei in there, it's just game over. Have you seen Adam Wainwright take BP? Oh, yeah, I mean, that dude can. I know him. Freaking piece of shit, Cardinal. Yeah, he's definitely – he was not on the all-star roster, so I wouldn't focus on him too much. There's a good many Braves on the all-star roster. Can you name them? Uh, Acuna. Dansby. Uh, Travis Darno. Uh, Azuna. I was just going <laughs> to let you keep going and shake my head at every one of them. I know those three were. Are you looking it up? Yeah, there's five of them. Was Azuna on there? Azuna was not. You have three. One's a pitcher and one's a hitter. A hitter. It wasn't Austin Riley, was it? No. Austin Riley actually did get named to the All-Star game, but he was late. He was a late addition. Um... Our pitcher's name is the only one I can think of right now. I'm brain farting is Max Freed. He was it. Okay. Rubber ankles, Max Freed. Um, and then I don't. This was a big storyline. Oh, Matt Olson. No. This was a big storyline because his brother was the starter from the Cubs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget his name. William Contreras. Contreras, yeah. Um, I remember them making a big deal out of them being brothers. Yep. Sorry, Zach. I know you listen. I let us down. 
we all know you're a better Braves fan than me. That's absolutely farther than I thought you'd get. <laughs> Fair. The Cardinals had uh, three get named, then one dropped, and then they added Michaelis as a late addition. I think Austin Riley actually replaced Nolan Arenado. Austin Riley, Austin three sixteen, man. <laughs> and the the MLB draft happened this past weekend. I watched the first round. That's about it because that's basically where my prep baseball knowledge peters out. But uh, this was the first draft where I felt really old <laughs> because Matt Holiday's son went first overall. Andrew Jones' son went second overall. Yeah. Um, a lot of sons got picked. Freaking um, low 10, poor guy going to the Reds. Poor me. I have to root for him on the Reds. Uh, yeah, good news. State only lost one prospect. Yeah. Number six class. Yep. Jet Williams got drafted by the Mets. The, that state to New York pipeline stays hot in some sense of the word, I guess. Uh, like, does any, do any of those guys play Mangum or uh, uh, I think Mangum's in triple A now? Okay, Cole Gordon, Rowdy Jordan, Rowdy, uh, JT Ginn, all in the Met system. Oh, JT Ginn, throwback, forgot about him. Uh, Landon Sims, Sims. To Arizona, yeah. Uh, I think where he went, I mean, he could end up being really if his elbow's good. I think that dude. You think he's a bullpen guy in the MLB? I do. Um, I think they might try him out as a starter first, but I think long-term he's going to be a bullpen guy. Yeah. Um, and then on day three, you had um, Casey Hunt, Jackson uh, Fristo, Cam James, and uh, R.J. Yeager. What all about, either uh, get drafted or signed. And uh, uh, Cumbom. Yeah, Brad Cumbus, you're right. Forgot about Brad Cumbus. That's your state to the MLB report. And uh, that's about all we can provide because I don't know any other people out there. Did any of the um, – just curious, any of the Ole Miss guys from this year's squad? Yeah, Tim Elko I know. Uh, Dylan DeLucia got drafted. Where did he – I don't know. Was it – were any of them first round? No. I assume not. Yeah. Okay. No. I was just curious. That wasn't like a shot or anything. Just... No, no, no. That's more of a testament to them. Yeah. Uh, I know Tennessee had Drew Gilbert and Jordan yeah, Beck they... go early. Ben Joyce went that... the third or fourth round. I saw where some guy that like had transferred to them five days before and like posted all his stuff then got drafted. UConn. Yeah. Yeah. He got drafted as a two-way player too. It's just funny. He had all these pictures like in his Tennessee gear, and he just never. Like came close to playing for them. But yeah, that's your MLB news for the week. We might talk about that. Also, again they had freaking Tony Vitello on, or is that his name? Yeah, I I'm gonna hate admitting this. I've already admitted it before. I've already admitted it to other people. Uh, it makes me feel bad every single time I say it. He was really good on the broadcast. It was interesting having a different perspective, having the perspective of a guy that recruited some of these guys and coach other ones and just the the thoughts of a college coach and, you know, how to get guys prepared for the draft and all that kind of fun stuff. 
it was just different and uh, I appreciated it. And I thought he was really good. He was very well-spoken and um, obviously knew what he was talking about. So. Well, good for you. <laughs> this might be the nicest thing you've said about Tennessee in about uh, six months. Yeah, Tennessee. Dude. All right, everyone, that's going to wrap us up for part one. Stick with us to the break, and uh, we have some college football stuff coming at you on the second half of the show. Let's go. All right, everyone, welcome back to the B-Team podcast. And tonight's podcast is brought to you by football. Just football. <laughs> All right, Ben, we're about to do our Big Ten preview, the first of five conference previews. But before that, Media Days was this week. Media Days for the SEC. I think the ACC is going on now. I have an idea that I want to throw out there to you. I'm in. You don't even know what it is yet. I know, but I'm into hearing it. Yeah. I think every team should have to take their quarterback. Okay. What if you don't know who your quarterback is going to be? Exactly. <laughs> okay, yeah. I see what you're getting at. Yeah, I like that. Think about how awkward it would be if you're just like – like if Mississippi State – like just like, say this is Bizarro World. And yeah, Mike Leach was like, Sawyer, you're going to start. And then we get two games into the season, he's like, actually, like you're kind of ass. And then you have to swap over, but everyone's already falling in love with Sawyer because he said some cool stuff at SEC Media Days. Yeah. I would just like it because it would make them show their hand. Yeah, that too, uh, because Ole Miss would definitely be taking Luke Altmeyer. You think? You think? No, probably not. Uh, I mean, I've heard that from I've Ole Miss people. I've heard things. This, we say this for SEC. I like that. But no offense to, like, Austin Williams. Austin Williams. I'm, <laughs> I, like, knew, I'm good. I knew there was an unsolicited shot at Austin Williams coming. I, I'm good. I don't, I'm, I'm good on Austin Williams. I've had my fill <laughs> of Austin Williams over the, over the decade. I don't, oh I, don't need, I don't need to hear from Austin Williams anymore. <laughs> I knew that was coming. That it, was has, so it, it, like, it has nothing to do with Austin Williams. I just no, wanted, you hate – this it's now out there that you hate Austin Williams. That's just not true. I might be the biggest Austin Williams fan. He lost us the Egg Bowl. I don't blame ago. him for that. That fumble? Are you kidding me? It's a the reason he's play. on the field is because he doesn't fumble. Yeah, but he's a he's a good guy. <laughs> good guy plays hard. I don't care. It's not like it's not like he's a, a Jamoral Graham who's a bad guy that plays terrible. Yeah, well, all I'm saying is you hate him, and I don't blame you because he lost his egg ball two years ago. I don't hate him. Like, on record. On record, I have nothing wrong against him other than that one thing, but Busby hates him. I just want that on record. But think about how fun it would be if you just saw, like, Will Rogers up there in his cowboy hat giving a soliloquy about playing What if, they, what if in, you were like, you have to bring quarterback, and Mike Lee just brought three quarterbacks? That would be fun. <laughs> it's like, sorry, why are you here? I don't know. <laughs> you think you're going to play this year? Probably not. <laughs> Only if we'll get – okay, I'm not going to say that. I don't, I don't want to wish that into the world. Anyway, that's my idea for, for media days moving forward. I'm in. Okay. 
All right, Ben, Big Ten preview. We have a couple things we want to touch on here, so we're just going to go down the list. How's that sound? I'm in. Second, can we agree second best conference in college football? Yeah, for sure. By far. I think they have the second best team by far. I don't know if they're the second best conference by far. Okay. But I haven't dove into the other ones yet, so. That's fair. All right. As is the case with college football now, you can't talk about college football without talking about the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. So, Big Ten transfers. Let's just run down some of the big ones here. Uh, Ochuan Mathis transferred to Nebraska. He was a two-time second-team Big 12 player, defensive end. Casey Thompson is now at Nebraska, the former Texas quarterback. Um, Victor Oluwatini transferred from Virginia to Michigan. He was up for the Remington Award for the top center in the country last year. Tanner McAllister, the corner from Oklahoma State, the third-ranked Oklahoma State defense, went with his defensive coordinator to Ohio State, who returns both starters at corner, by the way, so it'll be interesting to see where he fits in there. John Shivers from Auburn and Connor Bazelak from Missouri are transferring to Indiana as they try to reclaim some of that glory from a couple years ago. I don't know how well that's going to work out, considering (laughs) Connor Bazelak is booty cheeks. (laughs) Jacob Copeland of Florida That's fame the one, yeah. is transferring to Maryland. You know why I know Copeland? Why? Do you remember his signing day fiasco? Was that the one whose mom got up and left? Yeah, yeah. She was, like, wearing a Tennessee hat and an Alabama shirt. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. he's from Pensacola, which is, like, right down the road. And she was yeah, she wanted him to get mom. out, right? Yeah. Well, he definitely did. He's in Maryland now. Yeah, now he's gone. Uh, Jarek Broussard from Colorado and Jalen Berger are both running backs transferring to Michigan State, trying to replace Kenneth Walker. And then last but not least, our boy Aaron Brule. Yeah. Transferring to Michigan State. He went from MSU to MSU. I hate that dude. Why? He left us. That, 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 he also that, wasn't very good last year. That is true, but he was really good the year before. Also yeah, with the that, SEC media days. Yeah, I hate that guy. So ben, any of those names stick out to you in particular? Copeland, probably? No. Yeah, him and the um, DB from Oklahoma State. The big ones. I have uh, one that sticks out, but I'll get to that in a segment we have later. Okay. That's a, a little tease for the people. Sprinkling it in there. I like it. We've only done 44 of these. <laughs> Thanks for our listeners who are still here with us. All right, Ben. If you're actually there. <laughs> uh, numbers show otherwise. Yeah. You've all <laughs> left us. We're just speaking to ourselves. Uh, all right, if you're listening, If you're listening to this, text me the word... What should our word be? Banana. Banana this week. When you listen to this, text me banana. And I'll know. Or me if you don't have Ben's phone number. If you don't have my phone number, you don't matter. Wow. That was, Tell that that was hurtful. Pete. Tell that to that Pete. Was, oh, yeah, that's, that's hurtful. Pete, I love you. 
You know that. All right, Ben. He can I have my number. The, I sent you the Vegas odds. Vegas yes. over-under win totals. As they stand right now, who do you think is the most underrated team? I mean, based on this or based on what I think people think about them? Uh, I, I, mine's gonna be mine's gonna be a little bit of both. So take. With I was that. Say, if I'm going straight off of over under, I think underrated is Ohio State. Ten and a half. Yeah. Yeah, they're set at ten and a half. I don't think there's any way they lose two games. I mean, I could slip up and lose one. I don't think there's any way they lose two games. But my overrated team, if I was just under, going based under, off under un, underrated, sorry, my underrated team, if I'm going off their win total and perception. Is Nebraska. Continue. <laughs> oh no. Is this yours? Yeah. <laughs> and I hate this because I am not on the Nebraska needs to be back train. I really couldn't care less about Nebraska. I kind of don't like Scott Frost. Um, but they were What's the best school to not like. Well, I just don't like him because like everybody hypes him up every year. Does that make sense? Like I'm tired of hearing about it. Everyone's but, talking about when he's gonna get fired. Yeah, because he sucked. Um, but they were the best three and nine. Te- were they three and nine? They were three and They're nine. They're the best three and nine team of all time last year. Lost every game by single digits and still had Seven. a positive pl- uh, uh, point differential somehow after going and three and nine. Seven of those were one score. So yeah, I mean they're just they were better than their record last year. I think they added a couple pieces. Their schedule lines up a little more favorably. They're over under set at uh, seven and a half. I think they can definitely get eight, possibly nine, ten this year. So, um, I think they're underrated. But they were my pick too, and it's strictly based on the court of public opinion. I don't think I think the seven and a half is fine. Uh, I think that's pretty much where I would put it at too. If I was in Vegas, uh, you're counting on them winning, you know, four more games, and they lost nine last year by single digits, like we already said. Uh, right. You know, something goes your way. That Half whole schedule flips, yeah. And they lost Adrian Martinez, which is a huge positive. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Casey Thompson's not great, but he's better than Adrian Martinez. Uh, I was he hopeful Adrian Martinez. For four years in a row. He completed 63% of his passes last year, Casey Thompson did, for two hundred or for 2,113 yards, uh, 24 touchdowns to nine picks, and then ran for four more touchdowns. So, um yeah, if Casey Thompson is any better than Adrian Martinez, which I suspect he will be, I like Nebraska a lot to be the most underrated team in that conference. I agree. Uh, I have two other teams listed, and it's Iowa, who is right now sitting at seven and a half. I feel like Iowa always goes over seven and a half. Uh, Spencer Petras does return. I don't think that matters because he's mm-hmm. Um But Iowa's def- – like they play in the Big Ten West, and Iowa's defense yeah. should be able to keep them in ball games. Right. You know who they draw from the East this year? That is true. They draw uh, Ohio State and Michigan, right? Yep. Yeah, that's a big that's a big boo boo. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Purdue, Purdue sitting at seven and a half. They won nine games last year. Uh, and Aiden O'Connell returns their uh, quarterback. I know they lost David Bell, but they return a lot of people. I know they lost Carl Loftus on defense, but they always have some big behemoth on the end that's pretty good. Um, and I know you're not supposed to take anything away from bowl games, but then beat – I thought Tennessee was really good last year. And then beating Tennessee in the Music City Bowl in front of, you know, 60,000 Tennessee fans, I thought was really impressive. 
Um, so they always, yeah, they Brown, always have some receiver. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. They always have, have some receiver that's going to explode. Yeah. Even though they lost Bell, I mean, they're going to have some dude that comes out. And, and Jeff Brom is good. Jeff Brom's good at his job. So uh, I have no doubt that they'll be good again this year. They'll upset somebody that they shouldn't, probably lose a game that they shouldn't in there. Uh, hover around, you know, seven, eight wins. So I think the you know, seven and a half is pretty accurate. But, you know what their record is over the last 10 years against Ohio State? Uh, Three and seven. Four and five. One got one win got vacated by Ohio State. So technically four and five. Oh wow. Four and five against Ohio State in the last 10 years. Yeah, but Urban Meyer is good for a slip up every now and then. That's crazy. But it, like it for it to be them so consistently is crazy. I, mean, I feel like Purdue's like the four and five against Bama over the last like, 10 years. I feel like Purdue's that one school that everyone forgets about or just perpetually shits on in the Big Ten. Uh, I like the Mississippi yeah. State of the Big Ten. That's no, probably actually. Yeah, Mississippi State or Arkansas, I would say. We should do Maybe that. We, we should come up with like equivalent, like SEC equivalent. All right, All right write it down. <laughs> um. So yeah, you you nailed my underrated. And based on the uh, Vegas win total, yes, I agree. Ohio State's also underrated at 10 and a half. All right, let's move over to overrated, Ben. What you got for me? Okay. So, if I'm going based off win total, I'm actually going Michigan. Um, they were really good last year, obviously. Their defense was phenomenal. But remind me what happened to the coordinators from last year. It dipped. Yeah, they gone. Jim Harbaugh was very ready to go and then just didn't. Um, their quarterback situation, they're still between McNamara and uh, – what's his name? McCarthy. Yeah, McCarthy. Um, and I think – Blake Corm at running back and, and all yeah. them. Their defense is going to take a step back. Um, they lost <laughs> – Two first rounders, I think. Two, no, Ajaba was Ajaba was a second rounder. Okay, well, he could have been. I mean, they lost two really good guys, um, and they lost their defensive coordinator. So that was kind of the. If you remember last season, their defense was solid all year, and kind of halfway through the season, their offense caught on and finally started going. Um, but I just think they take a step back. Their win total set at nine and a half, so they lose three games. I mean, they're going to lose to Ohio State. Um, I think there's other couple others that they could definitely lose. So I would say them just in there, just getting super hyped up before the season. So I just, they're overrated to me. That would be my number one. I'll let you go. And then I can talk about others. Uh, mine would be Penn state, Ben. Damn. See, I like Penn state. I, I, I've seen enough Sean Clifford to get excited. <laughs> this is the year. <laughs> is it? Uh, it's like Adrian Martinez. This is the year. They so they have several toss up games. I'm counting Ohio State as a loss right off the bat. Yeah, I think Michigan's better than they are. Um, although they do get them at home, I believe. Let me check yep. on that. They do, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure you can double check me. I think so because I was looking at it. No, it's at Michigan. Oh, well, fuck that one up. And then they they start off the season at Purdue. That could easily be a loss. We just talked about. We like what Purdue has returning. They got to Auburn in week three. I don't think Auburn's going to be very good. 
Yeah, they're gonna going to spank Auburn. Going to Jordan Hare? Are you serious? In week three? Dude, granted, Auburn gave him everything they wanted last year. Really, did Auburn win that? No. No. No, no, they didn't. Um, no, Auburn's going to be terrible. I'll say that for the SCF. Auburn's going to be terrible. They may be last in the West this year. I agree with you. But going to Jordan Hare that early, early in the season. In the, I think early in the season is better. You think? I no think way. the magic magic kicks up towards the end of the season. And they went six and six last year. Most of those losses were at the end of the season. I know they were bad last year. They're bad, dude. I mean, I may be wrong, but I think I think Penn State wipes the floor with them. And they lost the first round wide receiver last year, Jahan Dodson. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just don't believe in Sean Clifford. I'm, I'm not the biggest James Franklin guy, although I think some really? of the hate he gets is unwarranted. Um, I just I, I'm good. I'm good on Penn State. I think eight and a half is a lot for a team that I'm chalking up two losses right off the bat, uh, and then they have several that can go either way. Yeah, see, I like them more, and I like Michigan this year. But remember that Penn State Iowa game last year. I'm trying desperately to forget. Isn't that when Clifford got hurt? It is. Yeah. They had uh, – I can't even remember the guy's name, but the poor guy just couldn't throw a forward pass. Yeah, it was so bad. <laughs> is Sean, maybe Sean Clifford's just better than I – better than I realized. I think he's – I think he's all right. But we'll see. I mean, I could definitely eat my words. I don't know. I think eight and a half is it's, a big... it's also his first year coming in with the same offensive coordinator. Okay. He hasn't had the same offensive coordinator two years in a row yet. So where do you like them stacked up with Michigan State? Better. I they think Michigan State's Michigan taking State. a huge step back. So you think I the think seven last... and a half is, is pretty spot on for Michigan State? Yeah, I think eight, seven, eight wins is good for them. Um I think they take a step back. I'll and we can just run through kind of since we talked about our overrated, underrated teams. I think Purdue could win the West. Um, I think Wisconsin, you never know. That's the big question mark. Um, the quarterback last year didn't look great. Graham. Mertz. Uh, Mertz, yeah. Um, Minnesota is the huge question mark to me. I have no idea what to think about Minnesota. Um, love their coach, but I just have no idea. Ibrahim um, at running back. I think Iowa takes a step back. You're right. They're always good for, like, nine, ten wins. But they do have, like, the best – one of the best defensive players in the country coming back this year. Um, but Petrus is just – Petrus, whatever, just not that guy, I don't think. Um, and they draw Ohio State, Michigan from the east. Even though I'm down on Michigan, I think they're better than Iowa. I think – there's seven and a half, though, I think is actually pretty good. Um, and then – Another big question mark for me is Maryland. I, I thought about them. putting Maryland in the underrated because they're listed at five and a half right now. But they lost six games last year and were outscored in those six games by like Bad. 168 points or something crazy like that. Yeah. Was it the like, Iowa game where they just got dumpstered? Yeah. It was so bad. To, to loot, how do you say his name? Talia. Talia. I mean, just come on, guys. Like, let's just name our kids some normal stuff. Um, probably a he's a huge, 
he's kind of like Tua. I mean, in the NFL, it's like you either get the pro bowler, like the all-time guy, or he's going to throw four picks. There's no in-between. So, that's kind of how I feel. I think the Big Ten is going to be pretty strong, like the top six. I think there's going to be some sneaky teams like Nebraska, Purdue, that I think could be actually really good. Um, and we'll see. But, obviously, Ohio State's – I mean, I saw – I was going to mention one thing about Ohio State. Um, their defense. You mentioned they brought in the guy from Oklahoma State. Your Knowles. I'm just going to run through last season. So, points per game. Ohio State last year, 22.8, playing in the Big Ten. Oklahoma State playing in the Big 12, 18.7. Yards per game, 374 for Ohio State, 293 for Oklahoma State. Opponent QBR, 50, 51 basically for Ohio State, 23.6 for Oklahoma State. So that was the only real problem with Ohio State last year was their defense. Their secondary was terrible. Um, So if they can get that, if they can get – if they have an elite defense, it's over with. But if they can even get a, a serviceable defense, I mean, look out. Yeah, I'll even give you some bigger picture numbers. Uh, Oklahoma State finished third in total defense last year behind Georgia and I believe Iowa, if I remember correctly. Uh, and then they finished first in sacks and tackles for loss. And Jim Knowles is taking over better talent at Ohio State. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to see where that goes. Yep. Ben, what are you most excited to see this year? What are you looking forward to? Um, so, I mean, just, it sucks pulling for, like, Ohio State and, like, not necessarily that I want them to win everything, but I'm excited to see their team this year. I mean, they have talent all over the place on offense, and if that defense can stay, take a step forward, I mean, they could easily win the national championship. Um, the Michigan schools, kind of seeing, they both had really big years last year, seeing where they go with it, um, Harbaugh was kind of go, starting on the hot seat last year and had a really good year. Um, I'm personally interested in Penn State. I want to see if they can kind of take a step forward, kind of try to compete in the East and see if they can fight for a spot in the playoff. Um, and then, like I mentioned earlier, Nebraska and Purdue are really interesting to me. I want to see what they can do. Uh, I put I wrote down Ohio State skill players, C.J. Stroud, yeah. Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison Jones or Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, Travion Henderson's back at running back. I think they're going to be absolutely loaded. Yeah, it's scary. Um, can MSU keep up the momentum? The fake MSU, Michigan State. Uh, Mel Tucker has kind of touted himself as the uh, transfer portal like king, so king, to speak. Yeah. So we'll see if that continues or not. I don't think it will. I kind of lean towards towards you on that. Um, yeah. But he does return Peyton Thorne this year, starting quarterback, and they can't get worse in the secondary. So, yeah. literally finished 130th. It's so bad. And they still managed to win 10 games last year. So, Dude, that Michigan-Michigan State game last year was so fun. Yeah. Uh, I also wrote down who's Purdue going to upset this year because they always do it once. And then will anyone from the West kind of take that next step forward? Will anyone from the West put up a fight in the Big Ten title game? No. And that brings us to our next point of topic, Ben. (laughs) Who wins the Big Ten West? Yeah, that's a great question. You can go first. I'll pick Wisconsin. Yeah, that's a safe pick. 
Uh, yeah, the, it really is. I don't like it, but I think Braylon Allen is probably the best player in the Big Ten West, their running back. Uh, Graham Mertz was a five-star. Maybe he doesn't totally stink. Uh, and Wisconsin, you know what you're getting with Wisconsin. You're going to win eight, nine, ten games. It's not going to be flashy. But it's going to be effective. And uh, they just go to Indianapolis, man. They go to Indianapolis <laughs> like every other year. So yeah, why not? Why not this year? Yeah. So I thought about taking Wisconsin because that's probably what's going to happen. But I'm going to go Purdue, man. I'm going to ride with the Boilermakers. You think Purdue is going to win the Big Ten West? I think, yeah, I think they have just as good a shot as any. I think Iowa's down. Wisconsin's a big question mark, but I think Purdue could could sneak in there. Who knows? They they probably go three and nine now that I'm hyping them up. <laughs> but I'm going to ride with Purdue. That's going to be my Big Ten team this year. I'm riding with them. Let's go. Can't wait to turn into a freaking Purdue-Rutgers game. <laughs> I like you stuff it got on the ledge. Yeah, I mean, what's the fun of – I mean, I'm a Mississippi State fan. Right. But that being said, in the East, I'm going to Ohio State. And, yep, and we're going total Ohio State? Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think they lose a game. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, they play Notre Dame in week one. By the way, that brings me to another point. If Notre Dame was in the Big Ten, where would you stack them up here? Uh, probably, probably second. Second or third? Either right before Michigan or right after? Well, I'm putting Penn State there, but I'm putting them on par with Michigan. This is going to be our big debate this year. Is Penn State actually good? Yeah, well, we'll see. They could come out and shift the bed and get blown out by Auburn and Jordan Hare. And I'm just going to, you're going to play this on Twitter, this clip of me <laughs> saying they're going to wipe the floor <laughs> with Auburn. So. <laughs> Um, it's weird because I think Notre Dame could very easily be, easily be the second best team in the Big Ten, and I think they're going to get absolutely worked by Ohio State. Yeah, I think Ohio State may be the best team in college football. We'll find out. We have a couple other previews to get to, but uh, but I don't disagree with that as of this current moment. Yeah, there's. I think everyone in the Big Ten is playing for second, but Purdue's going to upset them. And then beat them again in the Big Ten. No. Do they play them this year? No. Uh, no. Okay. Um, well, Ben, that's going to wrap it up. I, I will. I'm going to give you the floor. Where yeah, are we going next week? Go next. I mean, there's three duds. I'm assuming we're saving the SEC for last. Yeah. Um, we'll go Big Twelve. Big Twelve. Okay. Because that's the least interesting of the three that, to me, le- that are left. So, you think the Big Twelve is more interesting than the Pac twelve? Less interesting, yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah, I do. It's because I think there's going to be a lot of parity in the Pac twelve. I think, and then the ACC is the next most interesting to me. Yeah, I probably agree with that ranking. All right, so next week we'll turn our attention to the Big Twelve. Uh, the Big Twelve. We'd rather Texas is back train. The Big Twelve as it's currently constructed. And buddy, yes, you are not wrong <laughs> about that. I've been watching Quinn Newer highlights all week. So, all, all right. right, that's going to close us out for tonight. Ben, do you have any closing remarks? Uh, don't we have we have F one this weekend? 
the French Grand Prix. We oui, oui. it's gonna be it's gonna be hot. Maybe the, hopefully the Ferrari engines don't explode. Um, so we'll see. All right. Well, everyone, thanks for tuning in. Come back next week. We'll see you then. Bye.